0: If everybody could just maybe come together and and find a seat. I want to again reiterate what uh, Clay has said earlier. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we just want to extend a very warm welcome and thank you for for being here uh, with us. And Joel Miller, where's Joel at? He's over here. He's going to be walking around a little bit during uh, during the message and doing some videoing. We've got our uh, our website up and going, and we're going to do as much as we can to personalize what we've got. So he's going to be doing that. Don't worry about letting that distract you or anything. It's just uh, it's just going to be something we're going to use uh, a little bit later. Also, uh, Brandon, if you don't care, throw the slide up for me that's got all of the goals. Now, what, what I want you to know is, you know, These goals are more than just financial. And I want to make perfectly clear, this is not a financial uh, effort. You know, we're not raising funds, we're raising faith. And there's a big, big difference between raising finances and raising faith. And I know that, you know, everybody here, some of you, you may still be kind of struggling on knowing what to do or, or how you want to participate. But there's more to it. There's some people, you know, that can, can give generously and sacrificially and, and give financially, but they struggle giving their time, you know. And, and so what we're, what we're doing here is we're doing so much more than just the financial part. But, but God connects faith and finances together. You know, your, your checkbook is actually a, a theological document. You know, it, it is, because the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your... Heart will be also, but but here's some of our goals. You know, some of our goals. What we're going to do is is uh, we want to see every single one of our ministries fully uh, uh, supported uh, in the area of volunteers. That there's no lack in any ministries in our church. I know that it's summertime right now, and lots of people are gone on vacation. And I had people contact me to uh, this weekend and said, you know what, I'm going to participate in daring faith. I'm going to give, but we're not going to be here this week uh, this weekend. And so we, we understand that. But you know our Our goal is to see 300 people saved in the next in the next three years and and the truth is if everybody that attends our church uh, brings one person to the Lord over the next three years then you know what we will reach that goal no problem whatsoever so I want to encourage you you know be praying for somebody a family member a friend and and encourage them to come and and be a part of a service and you know what I believe God's gonna save them and and do do miracles but uh, the other thing is that we want to see 75% of our people that call themselves members of City of Hope Church involved in a ministry. We want to start new ministries. And so uh, another thing that we want to do is that we want to financially support uh, all of our local and global missions work that we do here and in other parts of the world. And, and these are just a list of some things, you know, that, that we want to plant churches and unreached people groups. And, and we want to develop a City of Hope Church scholarship fund where we're able to help uh, provide a scholarship for, for kids that may not necessarily have great grades good enough to get a, a, a scholarship or if they run out of scholarship money, that we can help them uh, do that. Another thing is we want to do to a, an adoptive school which is, you know, uh, you know, both school and summer feeding programs. I know some of that stuff's going on, but uh, we want to make sure that, that children are not going home hungry in our in our community. Uh, emergency preparedness. Uh, we want we want to either purchase or uh, build. A transition house for people that are struggling with addictions. That that when they get out of their recovery center, wherever that may be, that they'll have a place to go. Because there's a lot of people that if they go back home into that place where uh, they came from, it's going to be very hard, if not near impossible, for them to be able to uh, uh, stay off of drugs. And so we want to provide. It's a great need in our community, and we don't want to just do this for men. We want to do it for men and women uh, a- as well. So uh, another thing is that we want to increase financial support we want to fully fund all of our youth and children's ministries you can read those it's actually on the back of your outline uh, in your in your bulletin there but uh, we do we want to raise a million dollars in the next three years and we broke that down last time I said you know if we had uh, 150 people that were willing to commit to giving 185 dollars a month which I know for a lot of people that would be nearly impossible and you know I'm not saying that's what you need to give, but you need to give what God tells you to do. But if you broke that down over a, over a week's time, it's only $46.25. But if you broke it down into a daily amount, it was, it's only $6.61. And what I'm saying is, for the price of a value meal at Wendy's or McDonald's, we'll be able to raise the financial funding that we're looking for and and believing God for and be able to accomplish all of these things. Now, its I'm going to tell you right now, it's completely impossible for that to happen. But this is daring faith. And I've done through all this stuff out on you. And either God's going to come through... Or I'm going to look like the biggest fool that you've ever met. But you know what? I, I've, been, I've been worse than that in, my, in, in the past. But, uh, you know, I, I'm excited about it. I'm excited hearing the uh, input that I get back from, uh, from those of you that have talked about it and in excitement because God's getting ready to do something incredible, I believe with all of my heart. Amen? Well, if you've got a Bible with you, I want you to turn to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter number 40. And, uh, you know, this past Wednesday made 19 years since I gave my life to Jesus. I'm telling you, you know, I I, I was a drug addict and alcoholic for 10 years of my life, and when I came to God, I came to God a piece of a man, and not just a piece of a man, a, a piece of you know what of a man. And, you know, I'm still overwhelmed. I've still not been able to get over that. You know, I I was strung out for about six days. I didn't have any intention of getting saved uh, at the time. I mean, I'd heard the gospel a little bit, but, you know, I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll go out and do my own thing. And when I'm about 95, I'll get a little bit of fire insurance. You know what I'm saying? You know, I said well, I'll get some fire insurance. You know, my, my goal is not to live for God. My goal is to stay out of hell. You know, and and so, but God had a different uh, a different plan for my life. And you know, what? I have no regrets. I have no regrets. And I, and I want to mention this as well. You know, I my my best friend growing up was Travis Fields. And uh, you know, we listen. We we've, we've done a lot of bad stuff together. We we we've we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to edit this. We've committed felonies together and didn't get caught, but. Uh, Mostly Travis, not me, but... uh (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, but we, we were together, you know and, and, and he got saved before I did And uh, when I got saved, you know I had a lot of people that were around me But after I started trying to live for God and live right You know, all those people just basically walked out of my life But Travis would He would work third shift at at, uh, at Marymount Hospital And then after his third shift job He would come to the house And he would just sit with me uh, Because, he you know, he knew that if I walked outside I may, I may relapse and, and, and do all this stuff But you know, I've always said to him I said, man I hope I get to put the crown on your head when we get to heaven because I wouldn't be able to be here today where I'm at without you. And so the point of me saying that is that you can be that same thing for somebody else. You can be that same thing for somebody else. And if you don't have that person in your life, I promise you there are hundreds and thousands of them out there that just need somebody to come alongside and walk it out with them. Amen? But I thank God for that. But Psalms chapter number 40, I'm just going to read one verse. This, this message is probably as preparing to spoke more to me than any of the messages that we've covered so far. And this is a very popular topic. This is something that everybody loves to hear about, and that is daring to wait on God. Everybody is thrilled to death about waiting on God. Amen? You know, I, I, we love waiting. We love everything about waiting, you know? You know, our motto is hurry up and wait, you know, so we we love those things, but there's some lessons that we can only learn in our relationship with God as we learn to wait on Him. There's a lot of promises that are there, but we're going to talk about what do you need to remember when you're in God's waiting room. Everybody at some point in time finds themselves in God's waiting room, and when you're in that place of waiting, what do you need to do? How do you need to respond? You know, what do you need to remember? Now, all of these things are critically important because the enemy will come and try to make God out to be a liar. But let me tell you something. God is faithful. He's got a track record in my life. And when I look back over the course of my life, I can see his fingerprints in all of the things that I didn't even know I was going to be able to make it out of. You know what? God's in the details. And that's what I appreciate about God is that he's mindful of us. You know, the Bible says that God is mindful of us. What does that mean? That means that his mind is full of us. You want to know what's on God's mind? You are. He said, my thoughts are, uh, towards you are more than the sands on the seashore and the stars in the sky. He thinks about you all of the time. You're on God's mind. So if you're struggling this morning, wondering whether God even knows where you're at, I can encourage you this morning and let you know, yes, you. God knows where you're at. There's moments when God's silent But there's never a moment when God's absent. He's with you this morning. Amen. Psalms 40 verse 1 says, And I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me and he heard my cry. I waited patiently for the Lord. This is David writing here in a low moment in his life knowing that if God doesn't show up in this situation, he could lose his life. But he said, you know what? I waited patiently. I have confidence that he's heard me, and I believe he's going to keep me and bring me through this. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I need your help today. There's nothing within me that I can offer your people apart from what the Holy Spirit speaks and does. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. And that you would teach us what we need to know. And that, Lord, those that are discouraged would be encouraged. Those that are feeling like they're coming to the end of themselves, that they would be able to say, I'm not going to grow weary in well-doing. I pray, God, today that you would speak to all of our hearts where we are, teach us what we need to know, and help us walk out of this place today encouraged because we've heard a word from you. Let it be all about you, Lord Jesus. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, very few things aggravate us and get under our skin more than having to wait. Truth is, we hate everything about waiting. You know, we, we don't like to wait in line. We don't like to wait in traffic. We don't like to wait on the phone. We don't like to wait on our wives. We don't like to be placed on hold. We, there's nothing, absolutely nothing that we enjoy about waiting, but waiting is an extremely important part of life. You see, an immature child doesn't know the difference between know and wait. Those are two completely different words that we need to understand, especially in our relationship with God. There is a major difference between no and wait. As a matter of fact, the Bible says whatever we pray and ask in his name, if we believe, we shall have it. So when we're praying, listen, I want you to know something. You can pray with confidence that it is always a yes until God says no. You want to know what the answer to your prayers? is? It's yes. It's always yes until you hear God say no. And if God has not said no, then that simply means that he wants you to wait. But don't, don't worry and be overwhelmed with the feelings that just because God hasn't answered you that he has not heard your cry. David said, I inclined unto the Lord, and he heard my cry. But waiting is an extremely important part. Of our relationship with God, you know what? You you, you we hate we're, uh, waiting. We we hurry, and, and you know what? We go through, and we just you know, again, we we want to rush out of the house of God to go back out into hell, and, and then get aggravated to beat everybody else to the you know to the you know to the restaurant, and then we want to you know, hate standing in line, and you know, you know you know you know churches all across America spend millions of dollars a year in buildings that they cannot stand to stay in longer than ninety minutes. Some of you folk are the same way. You're like, when is this thing going to get over? You know, what, what, what are you in a hurry about? What, what, are, what is so important that you want to rush out of the presence of God so that you can go back to the same routine and rut that you've been in and expect something else to change? Sometimes we just need to learn how to linger in the presence of God. But there's a difference between a child that knows the difference between no and wait. Look, you can rush your kids, but you cannot rush God. Have you ever you know, been in a hurry and then found out that God wasn't? You have been there? You you ever been in a hurry like you want God to do something right now, and you need God to move on something like yesterday, and you know, you've prayed a prayer over and over and over and over and over again, God's not answered, and you're thinking, man, what is his holdup? Well, you know those songs. You know the old cliche that says God is an on-time God? Yes, he is. And so God's never late. But sometimes he's silent, but don't confuse him being silent with his absence. God is always present. Now... Our inability to wait is the cause of many problems in our life. You know, when we get in a rush and we try to hurry and we make some decisions that end up causing us some, some bad and severe consequences. Car accidents happen because we don't want to wait. You know, relationships are damaged. Sexually transmitted diseases are are transmitted because we don't want to wait we get into financial bondage when we are afraid to wait. And listen, the most damage that we can do is when we act impulsively on something and then we make a big ordeal out of something that if you just wait and hang on, God's going to work it out. But yet we like to take things into our, into our own hands. So whether it be relationships or financial issues or, or, or car accidents, there's serious consequences when we are not willing to wait, when we are wanting to get into a hurry. Now, every person here, is, you know, waiting on God for something. Everybody here in some area, you're waiting on God. You're you're waiting on God to open a door. Or you're waiting on God to restore a relationship. Or you're waiting on God to answer a prayer. You're waiting on God to do something. But the question is this, what do you do When you're having to wait on God, what do you do when you're in God's waiting room? If you look in your outline, and I want to encourage you to make sure you get this, you keep it, put it somewhere that you can find it, because unfortunately, sooner or later, you're going to need to know and remember the things that I'm about to tell you, okay? So I'm going to give you five things of what you need to remember when you're having to wait on God. So number one, you need to remember that there's always a natural delay between sowing and reaping. You always reap what you sow in another season. You know, I I feel like that maybe that's part of the reason I've been hurt and injured. Listen, I lived rough before I got saved. You know, my brother would always tell me, he said, Listen, the things that should have killed you when you were 20 come back to haunt you when you're in your 40s. And I'm thinking, man, that's the gospel right there. You know, when you fell down the steps and it should have broke your neck or broke your back, and you just get up like oh man, Well, that comes back on you reap what you sow. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Even when you get saved, listen, your sins are forgiven, but the consequences of your actions don't necessarily cancel out. Sometimes you know, we've acted a certain way, we've done something, now we're forgiven, but there's still consequences because we made a bad choice, or we said something we shouldn't have said, and you know, we've done something that we shouldn't do, but but we always reap what we sow in a different season. You know, the Bible. Says Says that to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heaven. There's a time to plant, then there's a time to harvest. Genesis chapter 8, verse 2, it says, While the earth remains, it remains both seed time and harvest. This is simply talking about seasons. Now, all of us go through different seasons in life. People go through different seasons churches go through different seasons ministries go through different seasons family goes through different seasons and the important thing you need to know is that when you are sowing something good into your family into the relationship into the church into a ministry whatever that may be just because you don't receive the results overnight doesn't mean that the answer's not on the way because we always reap what we sow in a different season he says to everything there is a season and a purpose for everything under the sun to plant and to harvest and so when we're talking about seasons it's it means this when we all, when we all go through different seasons sometimes as we go through these seasons we have seasons of joy and we have seasons of sorrow there's season when things fall into place and there's season when things fall apart. There're seasons when when we are thriving and then there's season when we're just surviving, you know? Those things happen. And so God wants you to know some things that if you're in a surviving season or if you're in a season of sorrow or, or if you're in a season when things are falling apart, there's some things you need to know that it's not going to always be this way. I saw a, I saw a picture on Facebook there uh, the other day it says this too shall come to pass. It might come to pass like a like a like a gallstone or or or, or, what what is it called? You have them in your kidneys? What is it? It might come to pass like a kidney. I not had kidney stone, I had gallstones. Them bad boys hurt bad. So sometimes life is, you know what, it comes to pass, it comes to pass like a kidney stone. But it will pass, and so if you don't focus on what God says when you're going through a dry season, then you may end up repeating that same season over and over again because here's something that's important. I encourage you to write this down. How you exit a season determines how you enter the next one. How you exit one season will determine how you enter The next one, the Bible says everything reproduces after its own kind. Now, if that is true, then it matters what kind you are. See, we teach what we know. We reproduce what we are. When we walk around offended, when we walk, walk around insecure, when we walk around with rejection, and the truth is, all that stuff is reproduced in the lives of the people that are closest to us. So, listen, you want out of a season. You can't just run away. Listen, church people, listen, are, are the world's worst of running away from the very people and the very God that that can ultimately help bring them out of what they're going through. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned uh, in the garden, the Bible says God came back out the very next day and called out to Adam. Listen, their sin didn't cause God to run away from them. Their sin caused them to run away from God. And so God came out the next day, and he says, Adam, where are you? Well, God knows where Adam was at. Listen, he was still in the garden, but he was out of place. And you know what the Bible says they did? The Bible says they become extremely religious, that they made a fig leaf bikini, and Eve put it on her. And Adam made a fig, a fig leaf a swimming truck, put it around him. And when God comes out to talk to them, he says, where are you? And, and, and Adam begins to pretend like everything's all right. I'm good. Yeah, I got this under, nothing's wrong. Their relationship with God has been separated and distant and, and you know, it's, it's broken. And Adam comes to church in the presence of God every day acting like it's all good. Imagine if I came, no, don't imagine. But imagine if you or anybody else came to church in a fig leaf bikini. Oh, Jesus. Don't imagine that, cast that one out. Well, let's just agree on this. It would be weird, wouldn't it? But you know what? Spiritually, there's a lot of you that are walking in with spiritual fig leaves acting like it's all good when the truth is it's not. And God cannot turn things around until you come to the end of yourself, and God will let you run. It's like Elijah. You know, the Bible says after he called fire down from heaven jezebel shows up and says i will do to you and even more by the end of this day what you did to my prophets and the lord helped me to do that and you know what the bible said elijah ran and he ran and he ran and guess what god did he let him run he let him run He let him run. He's running, okay? He's running. He's exhausted. He falls down to sleep. An angel appears to him. He eats. Guess what? He goes back to sleep. You know, an angel says to him, listen, arise, eat, for the journey is too hard for you. It's too long for you. He eats, falls asleep, gets up again. Guess what he does the next day? He runs and runs and runs. And finally, he finds himself in a cave in a dark place, and he's not running anymore. He's hiding. And guess what? God speaks to him and you know what he says to him he says what are you doing here what are you doing here some of you you've ran and ran and ran and ran and ran and God has let you run and God is saying to you what are you doing here This is not my plan for your life. This is not the way that it was intended to work out. This is not what I had ordained for your life. But why are you running? And Elijah had to come to grips that he wasn't where God wanted him to be at. Some of you, you're in that same place. And God is speaking to you, and he's saying, what are you doing here? And your first step into entering a new season is stop running in this one. Jonah ran, he ran down to Damascus. He ran down to the ship. He ran down to the bottom of the boat, and he ended up down in the belly of a great fish. Anytime you run from God, the only direction you have to go is... But thank God that he uses reluctant preachers. Even, Even his running, God still had a plan after the fish uh, spit him out and he was on the land, he's ready to do God's will. Do I think it was God's will for, uh, for Jonah to run? No. But I'm saying that, you know what, no matter what, how far you run, no matter how bad that it is, if you will arise and go to Deneva, just like he told Jonah, you know what will happen? God will begin to put things back in order. Amen? So we always reap what we sow in a, in a different season. Now, here's one of the lessons that I've learned over my life. When I start checking God's track record, some of you need to do that. Some of you need to look back over your life and begin to think about some of the things that you had to go through that you didn't think that you were going to be able to make it through and then find out that on the other side of this that God has been with you all the way. It's important for you to understand that. Listen, you need to be reminded. You need to remind yourself. You know the woman with the issue of blood? You know what she did? She said to herself, I've suffered many things from many physicians, but I will press. Some of you, you're there. You need to talk to yourself. You're saying, you know what? I need to snap out of this dead, lukewarm, dried-up condition that I am. I need to wake up and shake myself. And Listen, it's not going to take you out. Because God is with you. So look at the track record. Listen, I can tell you something. I ought to be dead. I ought to be dead. That's why I don't drug, uh, judge drug addicts and alcoholics, because the difference is you're between me and them is nothing. When I hit rock bottom, I lived through it. I buried friends that their rock bottom was death. And so I wake up every day. I'm thankful for that. And so he, I've got a track record with God. I believe you do too. And I've found God to be faithful. Now, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, it says this. It says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he also shall reap. He who sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, this is an incredible verse here, this next part. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. Listen, there's a lot of the Christian life that you only experience by not giving up. Listen, there's a lot of quitters in church. There's a lot of people that when things don't go their way or if something happens or, or, you know, they experience, you know, a hardship or a heartbreak, you know what happens? They're ready to give up. And the Bible says, listen, there's something important for us to understand and there's something to say about those that just kind of hang in there. You know, hanging in there is a good quality when it comes to following Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, hang in there. Clay, you know what, I've been, I've, you know my story. I've been through a lot over the past 18 months. You know what, Clay sent me a text yesterday that was just one of those texts that said, you know what, hang in there. And I can't tell you how much that meant to me. You know, it meant, to, it, and there was so much more that was in it. But you know what? Sometimes all you need to do is go to somebody and say, hang in there. God's on your side because things are going to change if you don't give up, if you don't quit, if you just hold on. You know, it's been said that even the snail made it on the ark through perseverance. So you can make it. You know, David said, I know my frame that I am but dust. In other words, David said, listen, you know my limits, what I can take and what I can't take, but what that verse of Scripture is saying is if you can take it, you can make it. If you can take it, you can make it. If you have a pulse, God has a plan. And I don't care what your circumstances say. The Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings as eagles. You know what? You don't necessarily uh, get delivered from the circumstances that you're going through. When you begin to mount up with wings as eagles, you know what? You don't necessarily get pulled out of the storm. You're just able to see what you're going through from a different perspective. Some of you are looking through your own abilities instead of God's abilities. And God saying, look, if you'll just come up a little bit higher, I'll show you what you're going through. And when you look at it through my eyes, you'll find out that, you know what, the, you wouldn't be the person that you are or going to be right now had you not went through that. People that's never been through anything can't help me. I need somebody that knows what rock bottom feels like. And here's the truth. People relate to your struggle more than they relate to your strength and God wants to take your struggle and use it as a strength. Sometimes ministry is just simply saying, me too. You know that? Sometimes ministry happens when you look at somebody that maybe you don't even know or somebody that that you're sitting beside it, and you simply say, me too. When you do that, it tears down those defenses. The Bible says two are better than one because if one falls, somebody else is there to pick them up. You, got? listen, I feel this in my spirit. Some of you, spiritually, you are down. And you feel like that this, you've come to the end of yourself. And some of you that are not, you need to be sensitive to God and say, you know what? I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to help pick you up. You might have fallen, but you know what? I'm going to be there for you. I've got your back. So that's important. That's important. Here's the second thing. The second thing is that you've got to remember that sometimes there's a spiritual battle going on. Now, most of you, you've heard this story, but in Daniel chapter 10, the Bible says that Daniel went into three weeks of prayer and fasting. And during this three-week period of time, he's praying, he's fasting, and he's asking God, he's saying, I want you to give me the revelation of what this dream was about that you gave me a few days earlier. Now, as he's praying, look what the Scripture says. God, or the angel speaks, he says, Daniel, do not fear, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. When did God hear? That ve- you need to get this, the very first day. Now go to the next one. Look what it says here next. Verses 13 and 14, He says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there alone with the king of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what have happened to your people in the latter days, for this vision refers from many days yet to come. Now, what these verses tell us is this sometimes Prayers can be delayed or answers to prayers can be delayed simply because of spiritual warfare. I can promise you that the devil does not want any of us working together to try to accomplish these daring faith goals and the daring faith vision he's already told you you can't give anything you're broke you don't have time to serve you work so many hours can you believe that they would ask you to do that you know you can't help in children's ministry you know what i like sundays evenings off i can't go help brian with the youth and you know what you're going that makes sense devil you know what this is they're asking too much of me I'm not asking this of you. God is asking this of you. I'm not your Savior. He is. Because you can't say no, Lord, and mean it at the same time. If he's truly the Lord of your life, then your answer is always, yes, Lord. And sometimes God will require you to be, you know, to give an extravagant sacrifice. You know the story of Abraham and Isaac. Sometimes he says, you know what, you need to lay that one thing that you treasure so much in your life on the altar so I can do something in your heart. Some of you, even the trials that you've been through, you've kept them so tight and bundled up on the inside of you that not even God can help you. Sometimes we, we want to, uh, you know, uh, throw a pity party. Let me tell you something, self-pity is a demon. I've cast it out. And that's no joke. Self-pity is a demon. And here's the thing what happens. What happens is when we give in to self-pity, we look for other like-minded people that, that want to wallow in self-pity. You know the cliche, misery always locks. So if we were to put your conversation up here on the screen this week and listen to what you said about what's happening in your life, would we be encouraged or depressed? It's important for you to understand the words you speak are very creative. They carry creative power. You're overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. But sometimes when we're looking for God to answer prayers, they're delayed because of spiritual warfare. Now, here's what happens. And some of you, this is where you're at right now. When the prayer that you prayed hasn't been answered yet, the devil begins to throw darts at you. He throws darts of doubt and darts of discouragement and darts of depression, and, and he begins to say things to you like, God's not faithful. He can do that for others, but he won't do that for you. He's not going to come through this time, and so those darts are just hitting you and hitting you. You're, you're being assaulted by all of these thoughts because God's not answered yet. You're having to wait, and you don't know what to do, and the devil's just wearing out on you. Listen, what you need to do then is you need to press in that much harder don't give up you will reap induces it if you don't give up so what do you need to remember when prayers answer to prayers delayed understand it could be that you're going through spiritual warfare it could be that this is just a season in which you are engaged in a spiritual battle but let me encourage you a delay to your prayer is not a denial to your prayer A delay to your prayer is not a denial. There's a difference between no and wait. Do you know the difference? We can teach that to our children, but those are not necessarily words that we want to live by. We want to say, do as we say, not as we do, but it don't work that way. So sometimes we're going through a spiritual battle. Here's the third thing. The third thing is that God's preparing you for something greater. You know, when you ask God to do something in your life, I can guarantee and promise you what he really wants to do in your life is far, far greater than what you want to see him do in your life. But the problem is when we're having to wait, and in life in general, that we overestimate events and we underestimate the process. In other words, what I'm saying is you can't live off of event to event. You can't live off Sunday morning to Sunday morning. You can't live off feeling to feeling. And you can't live off from from crisis to crisis. You have to understand something, that, you know, God has something greater in store for you. How do I know that's true? Either this verse of Scripture is true or none of this Bible is true. The Bible says that God is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we Ask or think meaning. Say, look, go go ahead, Loretta, and and dream the biggest dream you can dream for your life, and I can top that. He says, "You, you know what, Shannon? Just go ahead, dream the biggest dream of your life. I can top that. Donald, go ahead. I see your goals on here. I know they're impossible, but guess what? I can do more than that. I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you think or ask and where's the power located it ain't out there we're waiting for it out there and God says it's already in here you need to do something with it so we see where the problem is the problem is with the words we speak and the thoughts we think You need to take what you know theologically in your head and let it be transferred into your heart. Listen, your head and heart, it's about 18 inches. Somebody asked me one time, how far away is hell? I said 18 inches from your head to your heart. A lot of you have a lot of theological knowledge, a lot of doctrinal knowledge concerning the Scriptures. But you know what? It's just head knowledge. It's not heart knowledge. And so God says, I want to give you a revelation you've not even thought of, of something that is bigger and more than what you would like to see happen. But the problem is it's most of us, we don't even have a dream. We're in such a rut. We're in such a spiritual rut. We're in a routine We do our 9 to 5. We come to church on Sunday, and we clock in, and then we clock out and say we've done our God thing this week. That's a heart condition. That's a heart situation, and God wants to deal with that. But God says, I have something greater in store for your life than you can ask or think. Now, why is it that God could answer every prayer we pray instantly, but he doesn't? How many agree that anything you can pray and ask for, God can do that and even more? You agree with that, right? Well, why doesn't he? The reason he does it is because oftentimes you need to get this. God has to work in us and God has to work on us before God works through us to reach others. He's preparing you. The truth is, if you did not fight to get where you're at today, you would not value what you have. It's hard. It's not easy. You know, it's not easy doing the right thing. It's not easy to forgive. It's not easy to hang on. It's not easy to press through. But you know what? As God sees you faithful day in, day out, doing what he knows and you know you should be doing, God begins to work in you and on you and through you and for you. And then you look back on the other side and said, wow. But some of you, you, you're blinded right now. I mean, I feel that. You're stuck in a rut. You know, you're, you're you're not even engaged. You're here physically, but you are absent spiritually and emotionally. You're never more vulnerable to to the devil than when you are lukewarm and religious. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that we will burn forever somewhere. The Bible says that John the Baptist was a burning and shining lamp. And those that are lost will be thrown into the lake of fire where they will be tormented forever and forever and forever. You were created to burn I said, you were created to burn, and you will burn forever somewhere. And God wants to use what you're going through to ignite the flickering of the flame that's in your heart that is about to get blown out by the next problem that happens. The Bible says that the altar, there shall be fire on the altar forever. It shall never go out But if God's not answering this, then he's working on us and he's going to work in us because he's going to do something for us and through us. Now listen to this. Waiting is an important part of character development. God does some of his greatest work in our lives when we're waiting on him to answer. Waiting is a test. It tests our character, it tests our commitment, it tests our trust, it tests our faith, it tests all kinds of different things in our life. And listen, there's a reason why one of the fruit of the Spirit is patience. If to be patient is godly, I wonder what it means to be impatient. If to be patient means to be led by God, to be impatient means to be led by what? And you need to notice something that is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not something that God zaps you with. That's why you got a husband. You need patience. That's why you got a wife. Love is... And we're not patient with the people we love the most, are we? We're most impatient. Because here's the thing. If we don't let patience grow in our hearts, we will never be able to be led by the Spirit and be in the middle of God's will. Impatience will always. Impatience will always lead you outside of God's will. Nowhere in the Bible does it say hurry up and make a life-altering decision. Hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. I mean, it was one of the greatest temptations that that Jesus experienced. You know, the devil appeared to him and he tempted him and he brought him up to this big mountain. He said, look, all the nations of the world and all of their glory I will give to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. Well, he wasn't offering Jesus anything that didn't already belong to him. He just offered him what he had without having to go to the cross. Without going to the cross, he could get out of God's will and not fulfill the purpose of why he came. That's still the greatest temptation that that we will go through. Listen, we want to be a man of God. We want to be a a woman of God. And the devil tempts you to go the easy route as if you're going to arrive someday. And like, ta-da. No, you don't get any of this without going to the cross. And the farther we get from the cross, the more religious we become. So when you're waiting on God to answer a prayer when God is silent, understand the teacher doesn't talk while the test is going on. And when you're praying and praying and praying and praying, you'll hear anything from God. What you need to understand is, you know what? The teacher doesn't talk while the test is going on. The greater the purpose, the greater the preparation. Let me just throw this in. There's some people that will use waiting on God as an excuse for inaction and lukewarmness to those people that are lukewarm it's just hard for them to make it on Sunday I'm not saying that I don't know that you have difficult things and that you don't go through things but here's the thing it's not I don't have to come to church I get to I don't have to be a pastor I get to I don't have to come to this church. I get to. There's a difference that's there. But some people that, you know, when they're lukewarm, it's just a chore to do anything. They have no gratefulness. They have no attitude of gratitude. It's just a chore. And look, if everything you do for God is a chore, there's something wrong with your heart. You can't let circumstances dictate how you feel and what you do. You don't feel your way into an action. You act your way into a feeling. If you don't feel that way, listen, when you make right decisions, there's right outcomes, and right outcomes produce right feelings. But you can't let what you're going through become a stumbling block or a stronghold for not doing what God's called you to do. Now listen to this. People that are lukewarm don't need patience. They need raised from the dead. Some of you are saying, I need patience, and God says, no, you need resurrected. Lukewarm people don't need pre- patience, because you know why? People that are not doing anything don't need to be patient. And God's saying, listen, I've got work for you to do. And even if I have to resurrect you, I'll do it. I'm hurrying. I know that was a rough one. Number four, remember when you're waiting on God, you're not alone. Listen, you're in good company. Millions and millions and millions of people that lived and served God before us had to wait on God. Now, now I listed just a few. Listen, Hannah had to wait years before God gave her a child that she'd been praying for. Joseph had to wait 14 years to see the dream God give him fulfilled. Moses had to wait 40 years before God would reveal his purpose that he had for his life. Abraham had to wait 100 years before God gave him a son that he had promised. Noah had to wait 120 years for it to reign. Now think about this. Think about what you're waiting on, and then now think about having to wait 120 years. And the whole time you're building an ark, and people are coming up to you saying, what in the world is that? And you say... It's an ark. What's an ark? Well, it's going to rain. What's rain? I mean, every question. I mean, could you imagine, like, you know, your teenage children coming in, and they ask, you know, they ask your, uh, your friends, your friends ask them, say, you know what, what is your dad doing up there? He's he's building an ark. He's really, he, he, he's strange. You know, he, just go on by him. Just don't even ask questions. Just, you know. Sometimes you look a little weird when you're having to wait on God to answer a prayer, fulfill a promise. As a matter of fact, in most all of our lives, there's a point where we receive the promise of God and then there's an exact opposite season that we go through where we experience the exact opposite of what God said we would have. God promised The children of Israel, after he parted the Red Sea, I'm taking you to a land that is filled with, 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 with honey. And you know what? Three days on the other side of the Red Sea, they didn't have one drop of water to drink. God had promised them a promised land that's flowing with milk and honey. But in the season they're going through, they're thinking God is a liar. And then they get mad at Moses. They want to kill him. Why? Because God told him to do something, and you know what? It doesn't appear that God's going to answer his prayer or do what he says. I want you to know something. You've already seen the goals and the the things that we've uh, we've put up here. And some of you are thinking, that is just pie in the sky, you know? That's just a pipe dream. I'm telling you right now, with you or without you, God is going to be faithful, and he's going to do miracles in our midst. Amen? Here's the last thing, and then come to music. I know it's hard to shout on waiting, but woo Fire me up! We need to wait on God. That's horrible. Here's the thing. God always keeps his promises. When you're waiting on God... What you need to remember is that God always keeps his promises. You know, there's over 7,000 promises in the Bible. Numbers 23, 19 says, God's not a man that he should lie. 2 Corinthians 1, 20, for all the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen. So what do you need to do when you're waiting on God? You need to realize that God always, always keeps his promises. What do you need to remember? You need to remember who God is. You need to remember his character and his nature. He's not left you or forsaken you. He's not abandoning you. He didn't walk away from you. He's with you. He said, "Lo, I with you even to the ends of the earth. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you when you're going through a lonely place and you don't know what to do or even if you're going to make it out of what you're going through. You need to remember who God is. But you need to re- remember something else. You need to remember what God says. You need to remember His Word. You need to remember His promise. And some of you, you've given up on that. And God's saying, listen... I've got it under control. I've got greater things than you can imagine planned for you, but you just need to be patient. Don't give up in doing good, because your due season is coming soon. All the promises, they're yes and amen. So what do you need to do? You need to memorize scripture. When you don't know what to do, you need to get in the Bible, open it up, find out what kind of promise God's given you, and memorize that. I, I don't know how many times that I was going through something difficult, and this, the Scripture would come to my mind. You know, God doesn't necessarily have to, you know, part the heavens and send the angels down and back up and, you know, do some kind of extraordinary work. Because a lot of times we look for God in the extraordinary we miss out on God in the ordinary if you want to be in the will of God ten years from now you still need to do the very next thing the Holy Spirit tells you to do so you need to remember who God is, you need to remember what God has said and you need to rehearse those scriptures over and over and over again a delay is not a denial, stand with me I want to say this to you. Some of you think you're waiting on God. And the truth is, God is waiting on you. You've made your pledge. You've given financially. Maybe you've committed for tithing the first time. Or you're giving something that you think is a sacrifice for you. You're thinking about stepping out and getting involved in the ministry. You're thinking about inviting somebody to the church. But you know what? You're waiting on the fear and the dread of the outcome to happen before you even do anything. And so you're thinking you're waiting on God. And God is saying, look, you're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. And this is how you know if, if God's waiting on you, there will be a feeling of grief of sorrow of 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 nervousness and you start thinking what if I do step out? What if I do truly surrender my life to Jesus? What if I go up in front of all those people? If you're feeling those feelings right now I can tell you, guarantee God's speaking to you. And the fulfillment of your promise may be just on the other side of your next act of obedience. What is God saying to you? I believe somewhere in this message God said something to you. So I want to pray for you. I want to open up this altar. If you're lost and God's dealing with you, step out and come if God's dealing in an area in your life in, in terms of what this this Daring Faith campaign is, is talking about and you have some reservations let me tell you something what God's been speaking to me I do have some reservations but I have no other choice he's the Lord right let's pray Father I thank you for your word I thank you for the track record that I can look in my life Lord well I just celebrated 19 years since you've saved me Lord And there's been many many times I've wanted to give up Many times that I've wanted to quit Many times I want to just throw in the towel But God I've seen you move I've seen you do the small things Lord I've seen you being faithful I've seen you bringing me out I've seen you accomplishing your purpose and plan Even through the pain Lord Sometimes you've brought me out And sometimes you bought brought me through But God there's nothing that I have ever went through Even when I come to the end of myself That God I can't say that you have helped me for Lord, you heard my cry. The Lord is my helper. I pray today that you encourage your people with your word. Draw them close to you. If you're here today and God's speaking to you and you're not where you need to be with God and He say, now it's time for you to respond, would you shoot your hand straight up straight back down say, that's me. I'm not where I need to be with God. How many would say, you know what? There's areas in my life that God is dealing with me to go, to sow, to grow and you've been reluctant and you've been reserved to God saying this area in your life he's putting a finger in that area in your life whether it's finances whether it's your prayer life your word life as they sing and play I want to encourage you get out of your seats and come toward God and say God here's everything here's everything in Jesus name